Welcome to Burn It All Down. I'm Amira Rose, and today I'm joined by, guess what, all of my co-hosts. That's right, y'all. We are ringing in fall and happy October by reuniting all five of us back together on the pod for the first time in, I don't know, months. Um, So we're all in today. That's Jessica, Shireen, Lindsay, and Brenda. And we're here to do a fall festival roundup reunion roundtable. That's right. We are in the time of year in which there are so many sporting things going on, not to mention off the court drama and issues. And it's just a lot to wade through for us. And we like are people who like, like our jobs are to pay attention to this. So what we're going to do today is we're going to just do a quick roundup and updates from leagues, ask each other some questions like what in the world is happening over in the WNBA playoffs? What's going on in global football? Um, And so hopefully when you leave this roundtable, you'll know a little bit more about the, the beautiful mess that is the fall time of year for sports. I'm really excited to get into that. But before we go, in order to not get into another long battle over pumpkin spice with Shireen. Um, I'm not going to ask about favorite or least favorite fall things. Instead, I'm going to say that I go every year and get one of those carving kits for pumpkins and I make witches and I'm very impressed with myself. And so uh, a la Bodega Boy, shout out to Jesus and Miro. If you could carve one image or saying into your pumpkin right now to put on your front porch or balcony, or driveway, wherever, what would that be? Jessica. Sure. I'll go first. I did consult with Aaron on this because I was like, what could it possibly be? And our most favorite family costume that we ever did was David S. Pumpkins from the SNL skit starring Tom Hanks, where Aaron and I were the skeletons, and Aiden was David S. Pumpkins, and his catchphrase is, any questions? (laughs) So we would probably do that one. (laughs) That's great. Shireen. I have fallen in love with the baseball and specifically the Toronto Blue Jays because I look for two reasons, because I look really good in blue, a compelling reason to like a team. And second, because of second baseman Marcus Simeon, what? So I would carve Marcus Simeon onto a pumpkin and just stare at it because putting the light inside is a metaphor for what he is to the team. (laughs) Brenda. Well, since the Padres crashed out, I have nothing baseball-oriented to put on that pumpkin because I would love to do Fernando Tatis. But since I can't, I would put Bitch I Know, which Jessica Luther texted me last night. Because for all of the people that I work with, especially you fine co-hosts, in a week like this, when there's all sorts of revelations, I want to say, Bitch, we know. Like, we know, stop trying to educate us. We've been doing this for years. It's tiring. Here, here. That's a good fucking pumpkin. Linz, what would you carve into a pumpkin? I would carve the Burn It All Down podcast logo into a pumpkin. And then, you know, the candle would be behind it and it would look super badass, you know, the flames. Oh my gosh, now that I'm thinking about it, I really want this, and I am not nearly artistic enough to do this, but please can one of our listeners <laughs> make this happen. <laughs> um, I don't know, I'm basic. I would put, like, Believe in a Crooked Way from Ted Lasso, because it still just gives me joy, and I don't know, like, hitting Aww. a Believe sign, like, Aww. I gotta get hyped up to do anything, I'm like, Believe! I don't know what the hell am I believing in. Um, maybe the power of me or actually, you know what, the power of us. And that would uh, that would burn bright. So those are our pumpkins. Now we'll see who actually can carve anything. We'll have a pumpkin contest. Oh, we should have a pumpkin contest. I love the pie. <laughs> We're going to have a pumpkin contest. <laughs> it is now time for our roundup spectacular. I just want to start off the top by saying there is a lot obviously going on um, in the NWSL off the pitch. And that's uh, unfortunately also overshadowing what has been a very interesting season on the pitch as well. 
Um, but for more on that, we do have a hot take up right now. Brenda and Shireen jumped on the mic to talk about all things NWSL as the news was breaking last week. So check out that hot take and we'll continue to give updates on that outside of this roundtable. All right, Jess, I'm coming to you first. Can you please tell us what in the world is going <laughs> on in, as Shireen would say, the baseballs? Okay, I'm going to do my best here, everybody. So the biggest baseball news is easily the playoffs. Regular season ended on Sunday, October 3rd, but pulling back the curtain on Burn It All Down production. We're actually recording this on Friday, October 1st. So right now, there's still a fair amount we don't know. Despite each team in the MLB having played something like 847 games already this season, I will admit I don't totally understand what's happening with the American League wild card. I tried really hard to read about it and prep for this. Apparently, Chaos. apparently, there is the possibility that there will be a four-way tie on Sunday between the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, Seattle Mariners, and Toronto Blue Jays, all just for two spots. Only two of them can Chaos. have it. Uh, yeah. By the time you're listening to this, though, that it will all be sorted and you will know the answers. The eight teams that are definitely into the playoffs are the White Sox, Giants, Dodgers, Brewers, Rays, Cardinals, Astros, and the Atlanta baseball team. The postseason begins on Tuesday, October 5th. For way more info on the baseball playoffs from people who know what they're talking about, Check your feed for Shireen's hot take with Camila Hinkson, an editor for The Athletic covering Major League Baseball. It went up yesterday. The big story, though, for most of the season, the overriding story, I would say, was Shohei Otani, the two-way superstar who pitches and bats. He recently joined Willie Mays as the second player ever in the MLB to have more than 45 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and more than six triples in a single season. Only Willie Mays in 1955 and Shohei Otani in 2021. That's it. That's the entire club. That's incredible. He also has over 150 strikeouts this season as a pitcher. He is, no surprise, the favorite to win the American League MVP this year. I just want to briefly mention Kim Ng. Last year, she was hired by the Miami Marlins to be their GM, the first woman in MLB history to ever run a team. This was her first season then on the job. And while she was taking over a team that had made the playoffs last year, they'd actually kind of traded away most of their big players. So it was a, it was a rebuilding operation for her. This year, the team finished second to last in its division, which means she, she can only go up from here. And we're excited to see what she does in the upcoming seasons. Yeah. Um, thank you for all of that, Jess. I did have a question about, you know, we celebrated her last year, not just as a woman, but as an Asian woman. You can revisit my interview I did with Shiz about the meaning of her hiring. Um, but also, I was thinking about that when you were talking about um, Otani, because he has dealt with one racist ass thing after another this season. How is baseball confronting these issues and continued anti-Asian rhetoric that we're seeing from all quarters? Yeah, there's not a good answer to this question, Amira. There was a lot of talk earlier this year during the spike in anti-Asian racism and hate. Shereen did a great hot take around that. The Dodgers and their manager, Dave Roberts, they were very vocal in condemning the violence and harassment against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Terry Francona from the Cleveland baseball team spoke out against racist abuse aimed at his player, Yu Chang, who's from Taiwan. Detroit issued a statement condemning Tigers color commentator Jack Morris for being fucking racist against Otani during a broadcast, but these are what they sound like. They're kind of isolated moments from specific teams, so it's really an area that the league has to get better at. For sure, and of course, Stephen A. talked about how he couldn't be the star because... He didn't speak English. Exactly, so just bullshit. Well, thank you for that update. Obviously, me and Shireen are pulling for a certain two teams in the wild card spot, but I will admit, thinking that the Red Sox have long been out of it, and then I looked up, like, how are they still maybe in it? I'm very... Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. All right, Shireen, I would love for you to tell us what's going on in the world of hockey. Hello, friends. Let's go on this wild and icy ride that is hockey. So let's start with women's because it's more fun and interesting, to be quite honest. I'm not going to say less racist and less complicated because that's actually not ever the case. So let's start with the 
formerly known as the NWHL, which has formally changed its name to Premier Hockey Federation. Yay for taking out the gender binary within that league, but nay for continued comments by Toronto Six's coach Digit Murphy being really weird and accusing people of talking about transphobia as negative Nancy vibes. Don't love that, making really hard for me to love this team. Already have my Soroya Tinker jersey ready. Still, it's a problem. Uh, the league starts officially November 6th, and uh, I think that that's really important for those that want to still want to support it. It's important to love something and still talk about how problematic it can be. Now over to the PWHPA, there will be their season starts November 12th to 14th with a Dream Gap tour in Truro, Nova Scotia. There are five training hubs this 2021-2022 season for the PWHPA, and they are Minnesota, Toronto, Calgary, Montreal, and Boston will be replacing the New Hampshire hub. Now, I went golfing with Jaina Hufford last week. Now, that's quite a flex right there, isn't it? And let me tell you, in addition to the way that she plays golf like she plays hockey, world championship... There may or may not be a tour in Toronto in January, so let's maybe manifest that. We want to see this. Now on to the men's side. Right now we're in preseason. The NHL begins October 12th. There's a couple stories that I just wanted to point out that are nice stories because I'm not clearly not going to go through the whole thing. I do want to draw attention to Montreal Canadian player Jonathan Drouin, who is returning after and thriving in hockey after taking a lot of the season off, did not participate in the playoffs because of his struggles with depression and anxiety. And also to talk about that in a space like this is important and it matters. Love having him back. And you're probably asking, why am I talking about only one Habs fan? Because I can. Uh, also, another story that's really fun is the Seattle Kraken, folks. The Seattle Kraken made their preseason debut. They beat the Vancouver Canucks last week, three to five. Um, they begin, they're part of the doubleheader on October 12th, so we're really looking forward to seeing that team that has one of the only teams that has signed the Black Girl Hockey Club Get Uncomfortable Pledge. So we're waiting for everybody to pull up and do this. Also, I would be remiss if I did not comment on how beautiful the Kraken looked in their crisp white jerseys and how the NHL stupidly tweeted, look at them whites. Yeah, the jokes write themselves around here, folks. <laughs> Okay. Um, I have a question for you, Shireen. I just want to, okay. One thing I just don't understand at the most basic level, are the women's hockey teams independent of the men's teams? Are they now, do they have a relationship? What does that look like? So some of the teams in the former CWHL were aligned with major hockey teams like the the Calgary Flames had adopted the Calgary Inferno and if you noted the names kind of switch off of each other and then there was you know the Canadian of Montreal who were not supported financially in any way that I consider acceptable however there was uh they were adjacent to or aligned with now when that league folded we saw this discombobulated way in that hockey is treated in, in this country and, and also, you know, the, the lack of sustainability. So as of right now, the uh, PHF, formerly known as the NWHL, is, exists independently. They might have collaborations and let's just say the Boston team might have, you know, uh, an event or charity event or a drive of something of that sort. But at the moment, there's no, in, like, there's no specific and deliberate uh, collaborations between the men's and women's teams pretty much anywhere women's hockey doesn't get the respect it deserves gotcha now I want to talk about college sports and for the sake of time I'm going to focus on my three favorite fall college sports that is college football and women's volleyball and women's soccer the name of the game for all three of these things is let me say organized chaos there has been some shakeups across the board in all of these sports. Um, and yet at the end of the day, there's still powerhouse schools that were used to dominating those sports. And so I'll start with the college football landscape. This is the first time in Jessica Luther's lifetime that Florida State is starting 0 and 4. It is wow. wild. 
did you ever think you would see that day, Jessica? No, but like I also had to have you tell me <laughs> that that was happening, which I never saw that day either that I wouldn't even know that that was it happening. It is wild. Um, the other big kind of shakeup, right, is that Clemson is two and two. I'm smiling here. Picture the gif of the person trying not to smile, but the thought of Davo Sweeney not being anywhere near. What happens when you let players have NIL rights? Look at that. Your world is crumbling, Davo. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, other than that, though, right, Alabama, Georgia, Penn State, is they're still right there at the top. So you still get the fun kind of upsets of the college season, but it's not as chaotic as some seasons we've seen. Um, but there's just enough shakeups that um, has also prompted people to think thoroughly about conference realignment. For instance, Arkansas, the Razorbacks, are absolutely on one. They have declared themselves the kings of Texas, despite being Arkansas, because they beat the Longhorns, they beat A&M. They, they are basically running through the Texas schools, and no, not many people saw that coming. The side note, the funniest thing about the Texas uh, Arkansas game was that Tara Davis and Hunter Woodall, who are now engaged, uh, went to the game together because, of course, those are their schools. And Tara and her friends looked miserable because Texas is losing and Hunter was putting horns down. And then Texas tweeted it out and said, get your man, Tara. <laughs> so funny. Similar story over in college volleyball in which you see Texas, Louisville, Pitt. Those are who we have been accustomed to seeing at the top of women's college volleyball. They are absolutely there. But we're also seeing other teams break into the top 10, um, you know, for the first time. Um, BYU, like... It's it's interesting, and there's really good volleyball being played, so I really say to everybody, check it out. The Baylor-Texas games are coming up, and that is always very spicy. Over in soccer, it's more of the same story with UVA getting beat and, and, and dropping off of the top spot. Penn State was number six. Now they're unranked, which tells you how their season has been going. All very tight games, a lot of... Uh, goals and stoppage time. Brenda wants me to note that Hofstra is number seven, just behind Duke, which tells you just how turbulent this season certainly has been. <laughs> totally, totally. Amira, I'm wondering about COVID and how all these different colleges and all the different sports are handling COVID at this point and letting fans in. I've seen the the videos and pictures from football stadiums just like full of people, but I have no idea what's happening. Like. With volleyball, which is indoors. Right, exactly. And so football stadiums, they have obviously just kind of washed their hands of. You've seen the videos of Jump Around. You've seen the packed stadiums. That is clearly an economic decision that is never going to change. Uh, soccer fields, right, are have been a little bit more open and, and um, able to have participants in them. The real concern, as you noted, has been indoor spaces. So what many schools are doing in terms of indoor areas, vasking mandates are, you know, there. Places like Maryland, who did a five-set thriller that Penn State eked out um, just the other night, has a reduced uh, capacity of attendance. So you're seeing that vary by school for school. But I have seen indoor facilities in certain places in which there aren't people masks. So I think that that's something to keep our eye on as we move through the fall sports that occur a lot outside into the early happenings of the winter sports, which are going to absolutely have to deal with this problem as basketball season tips off, for example. Well, from college soccer to global soccer, Brenda, take it away. Woo! This is a toughie. Um, <laughs> there's been so much going on. You've got the qualifiers for the World Cup, which are literally all over the world, and that's really intense. So it's hard to watch unless you've got Fubo. There haven't been so far any huge surprises, you know, Brazil topping everything always, et cetera. Um, but they've been exciting, and COVID's really shaken it up. For example, um, historically, last month, the Brazil-Argentina, the kind of classic, one of the world's most exciting <laughs> qualifiers, was suspended. 
um, because the Brazilians said that the Argentines lied on their form. They were coming from the Premier League. They arrested them and tried to deport them on the field. So the game had gone on like 12 minutes. We have no idea what's going to happen to that qualifier. Still investigating on the part of FIFA. I just like to say being friends with Brenda Elsie means that you get like 50 text messages while that is unfolding on the pitch. <laughs> it was very thrilling. I've never seen anything like it. it was I was on so... the plane when it happened and I got I had landed and I was like, Brenda, what's going on? And she was like, they're on the pitch trying to deport that. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I, I was like, what is more high drama than the Brazilian, you know, and Brazilian, the Brazilian government couldn't have done less to stop COVID over the last 18 months. So the fact that they would all of a sudden have this like cloak and dagger, like there's Emmy Martinez you know, lying on his, who doesn't lie on passport forms, you know, on immigration forms, not me. Um, but I'm sure everyone else does. And so like, you know, did you bring zero into the country? You brought zero. <laughs> anyway. But can we talk for a second? And we, we loved this, Brenda. We always have Danny Alves and Messi's like love and bromance. But I miss those two on the pitch together. So to see them laughing it off, walking away, just heartened me. They weren't doing the samba together or anything that I would have preferred, but they were just it was beautiful that moment. I mean, that was one of the loveliest parts about it, right? It was they were standing around for an hour with nothing to do. And all of these men are incredibly violent towards each other, but also incredibly affectionate. And so they've played together for years. You could see them joking around and just everybody going, what the fuck? So that was amazing and super cute. But the qualifiers all over the place are kind of fascinating. Every confederation does it different. Besides that, we have um, the Champs League and you also have Copa Libertadores or the club championships um, ongoing. And that's been really interesting. Just one story, we probably saw the biggest upset in the history of the Champions League this past week when Real Madrid lost to Sheriff. Now, I doubt anyone <laughs> has ever heard um, of this club because I really haven't. And so I'm just going to assume most of you haven't heard of Sheriff Tiraspol. Which is, by the way, they don't even have sponsorships on their front of the jersey. You'll hear why in a second. But if you have to listen to anything, go find Tyranny and Honoree, who's like now my new favorite person, um, <laughs> commenting this. But like the reactions to this were hilarious in how people were like, they don't even have names. I would have gotten naked if I had scored the winner on that, like the the reaction to this upset. <laughs> totally. And then, Brenda, please, please tell the people a little bit about Sheriff because my only question about it is literally like, wait, what? What the fuck? So please. And Amira had sent me a really good breakdown of the history of this from Aaron West. And, and that's up um, on Twitter. He did a little video of it. Basically, they are a Madolvan technically federation team, but it's from the breakaway state of Transnistria. And I watched a whole little documentary from the BBC on this breakaway state. And basically, it's majority ethnically Russian, founded um, by KGB agents. So this club is a way in which they're normalizing their state itself. And there's all kinds of arms trafficking that goes through this small agricultural patch of land. It seems the majority of the population, the flag has a hammer and sickle, and the majority of them would like to reconnect with Soviet Russia. Apparently, they are unaware that that doesn't exist right now. And um, they want to revive it. And, and, and they're sort of like, Putin could do so much more for us than Moldova. So... It's really fascinating. You should know, just like every other team in the Champs League, there are a ton of Mali football players, um, Nigerian Cote d'Ivoire, and of course, Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. So in that sense, whatever agents out there is still making it work. So as much as it's an upset, if you really look at the dirty money, it looks like the rest of the Champs League. Football being football. So Brenda, Messi has moved to PSG. How's he doing? He's doing just fine. Um, you know, if you're not really obsessed with like clickbait stupidity, he's doing absolutely fine. I mean, it took him a couple of games to score a goal. Big whoop. <laughs> They're playing him way far back. Okay. 
Um, he should be a little more center perhaps, but you know, he, he didn't try to take number 10 from Neymar. He laid down on the ground. Gloriously with the Gloriously thumbs up. Gloriously <laughs> with the thumbs up. Like, it's cool. Please don't write articles about how I'm resentful Well, but there are articles. <laughs> and there are. And it's like, he can't do anything more to express the fact that he's absolutely fine. Number 30. Um, which just basically means he's three times the player is Neymar. Um, and no, it all looks really good. It all looks really good. Mbappe seems a little uncomfortable with it. But, you know, it was the Mbappe pass that he scored that glorious, glorious goal in the last Champs League game. And it seemed very seamless to me. Shireen? Just have a question because, you know, I tweeted something <laughs> at you of some ridiculous – I love the drama. Uh, and I also am here for Amira loving Thierry Henry. CYOG from back in the day, bitches. But on that French drama that we sometimes see, we get to Anelka. <laughs> Uh, Nicholas Anelka getting out there, and this is the first and only time I'll ever quote a Daily Mail uh, piece. But do you think Kylian Mbappe should be the reigning player? And as according to Anelka, Messi should worship at the altar of Mbappe. How do you feel about that? Do you feel that's violence? I feel like Anelka is really desperate for relevance and, you know, was mediocre then, is mediocre now as a thinker, as a player. Sorry. I know. I know. That's how nasty I really am about him. I'm like, oh, really? Like, you're going to go out there. The first thing he did was thank Mbappe for an amazing pass. It was super selfless. And the first thing Messi did was be like, it's wow, that was like totally you, right? And again, he was literally laying at the man's feet. So I don't really think we have a problem here. I mean, Mbappe looks a little uncomfortable adjusting to a new person on the offense. And I think that is nothing wrong with Mbappe. He's probably just like, okay, Pochettino, like, where am I exactly going? You know? That is the calmest I've heard Brenda express that because group (laughs) chats during the game were a little more... Well, I was disappointed uh, with his performance. I mean, he missed a bunch of passes. I guess I'm looking for Mbappe to be the reigning champ. So I have no problem with Anelka saying that. I'm just like, I've been feeling like Mbappe should be growing a little bit more than he has since 2018. You know, that's, I love him. Like, he's wonderful. And and Brenda <laughs> continues to want to take a bullet for Messi anytime. <laughs> or Mbappe for that matter, but not. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, I am moving on on this roundup. So last but not least, Lindsay, please tell us what is going on in the WNBA playoffs. Okay, friends, so I'm obviously watching the WNBA playoffs like a hawk. It's taken over my life in the best way possible. Uh, it is Sunday night right now, and both semifinal series are at the most dramatic point possible, with the underdogs having a 2-1 series lead, meaning the top seeds, top two seeds, have to win the game fours on Wednesday in order to extend this to a sudden death game five. So how did we get here? Well, the first two rounds are just one game each. In the first game, you had the sky destroy the Dallas Wings, and then the Mercury eked out a victory, a very exciting victory, over the New York Liberty, 83-82. to In the second round, you had the Mercury and the Sky really keep rolling. Uh, Mercury upset the number four seed, Seattle Storm, in overtime. The Storm were playing without Brianna Stewart, who's been injured. There was a super emotion emotional moment after the game with uh, Sue and Diana swapping jerseys. It was a lot. We don't know if Sue's coming back. Anyways, that was just too much. But then the Sky upset the Lynx. The second round should definitely be best of three, but we don't have time for that full argument, although it's not even an argument. I'm just right. Uh, So here, the semifinal series have been the Phoenix Mercury taking on the number two seed, Las Vegas Aces, and then the Chicago Sky taking on the top-seeded Connecticut Sun, who had won something like 13 straight games coming into the playoffs. Anyways, so just some highlights from these semifinal games. Um, The Aces beat, took care of business against the Mercury in game one. But since then, the Mercury have absolutely throttled the Aces. Uh, In game two, Diana Taurasi scored 37 MF points, motherfucking points, 
on like one ankle, the Mercury one, 117 to 91. And then in game three, which I just watched, the Mercury trounced the Aces 87 to 60. So the other series, the, the sky came out like a rocket and upset the sun 101 to 95 in a double overtime game that almost killed me. And then the sun looked like themselves in game two, but uh, game three just happened and the sky beat the sun 86 to 83. The sun completely collapsed down the stretch. It was really hard to watch. I have no idea what's going to happen on Wednesday night. No idea. I hope we get two game fives. Screw my anxiety. This is just too thrilling. Lynn's most surprising or exciting player this postseason. To me, it's just the cohesion of the Chicago sky. Like, they looked awful the last couple of weeks of the regular season. Awful. And now they look like the team that we all thought they could be. Um, you know, Mercury didn't look nearly as bad as the sky did <laughs> going down the stretch, but it's still kind of wild to see them playing their absolute best basketball right now. And look, I'm really surprised at how the sun and the aces just look completely discombobulated. I mean, these teams, these are the two deepest teams in the league. And it's almost like they've just like have so many weapons. They just like don't know what to do with them. So I can't really pick out one thing or, like, one player, but, like, those are my surprises. So lots of focus has been on Sue and Diana and are they done. And, um, and of course, yes, I cried when they swapped their jerseys. But I really wanted to ask you, um, after this season, who is the future? Who might emerge as a force this year? Not the now, not who we already know is dope, but who showed flashes of something that you're excited to see back on the court next year? Um, I want to give a quick shout out before I answer this question to Brittany Griner and Courtney Vandersloot. Two kind of like living legends who I think that often get overlooked kind of, you know, in the shadows of the Tarasi and the Sue Birds of the world who are just killing it this postseason. And I love seeing them get their shine. Uh, Sloot had a triple-double, the second triple-double in WNBA playoff history behind Cheryl Swoop. So just wild. But, I mean, for me, the future, it's really easy. It's uh, Kalea Copper, the guard from Rutgers, on the Chicago sky, who is averaging like 18 points, five rebounds, 2.4 assists per game this postseason. She had 26 points in game three. It's just ridiculous. And then Brianna Turner. I mean, Brianna Turner with Phoenix Mercury averaging a double-double this postseason. She's playing shutdown defense on Asia Wilson, which is just like, I didn't know that was possible really. And then in game three, she had 23.17 rebounds. I mean, Copper's in, like, her sixth season, so she's not that new, but she's really just emerging as, like, a force of nature. And Turner's in her third season, I believe. But, like, these are, like, these are going to be all-stars every single year. Like, take it to the bank. It's an embarrassment of riches in this league. Well, there you have it, folks. Our fall festival roundup spectacular with all five of us back together again. Be on the lookout, though, for our Patreon space because there's lots of opportunities coming up to join us for watch parties, whether it's WNBA playoffs, certain derbies coming up. We will be there with our opinions as always. We have uh, eyes on many different sports. And now after this roundup, hopefully you'll have a little bit of uh, eyes in those places as well. Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Public comments made last week by a handful of NBA players and the subsequent conversation that followed both had me feeling a type of way. Okay, many types of ways. So I called up friend of the show, Dr. Courtney Cox, to invite her back on to break it down with me. But we didn't stop there. We also invited Dr. Brooklyn Gibson from the University of Illinois and Dr. Candace Watt-Smith from Duke University to join us in a roundtable where we put it all on the table. We ask questions of each other. We talk about everything from the NBA to what happened to Shut Up and Dribble to if Ted Cruz is co-signing your thoughts. What do you even do with your life at that point? Uh, we talked about... Um, If the emphasis is in the wrong place, with a league approaching 96% vaccination rate with the WNBA, a blueprint for for modeling vaccinations in a league, um, you know, who are we giving a platform to? We also talk about disinformation in, in digital spaces and more. Yep, we get through a lot. All of that coming at you on Thursday. Check it out. All right, y'all, we are going to burn some stuff now. And I will start. I want to burn the arena problems that the Phoenix Mercury are facing yet again. This is not new, but it's still bullshit. Um, So they are currently in the WNBA playoffs. In their first round, they faced an issue where they couldn't play in the footprint in the Footprint Center, which is their downtown arena that they usually play in, um, because Maluma was having a concert. So that's already annoying because as, as much as I like Maluma, like they shouldn't dis- be displaced because of concert. Brittany Griner said it's really fucking frustrating. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> understood. Um, and then in this current round that they're in, they've seen not one, but two conflicts. Uh, The first made a pivotal game three be moved to Arizona State's arena, which is a college arena. It is not downtown and it is not, you know, their home area. Why did they move? Well, because of fucking Disney on ice. Listen, maybe you're like me and also traumatized after years of sitting through Disney on ice shows, which made this just like even worse. But on the fourth night of a Disney on ice show, right? They are moved out to ASU to play this pivotal game three. Not to mention that they were supposed to have game four also out at ASU because the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns were playing a preseason game. Yeah, that's right. A NBA preseason game was going to move a WNBA pivotal playoff game to a different location. Just like that is the most frustrating thing. And reportedly it's because the the Lakers, the holdup, they eventually got it moved, but the Lakers wanted to broadcast it on their like Laker spectrum channel or whatever. It's a preseason game. Move your asses. They did come together. They worked with the Suns together. They, they moved up their preseason game so that Um, the Footprint Center was available for the Mercury. But like, why does it have to come to this? It reminded me of when the Mystics met the Storm in the WNBA Finals a few years ago, and they moved the Mystics home games out to George Mason, which is A, not in downtown DC, B, a headache to get to, and C, George Mason has the same color as the Storm. So they're playing in a green and yellow arena, which their opponents are, that's their colors. And it was just like, why are we still here? Why are we still doing this? Like, it, it says too much about power and priorities and scheduling, and they just deserve better for multiple reasons, but also because, you know, we've seen them lead the way on so much this year, whether it's voting rights or vaccination records, which is a different conversation that we'll get into later. But the point is, we know the W deserves better. Stop fucking playing games with their arena. This is just dumb. Burn it down. Burn. Lindsay, speaking of vaccination records, what are you burning? Okay, so I've just got like a multi-tiered burn. We've had NBA Media Day with NBA stars. Not a lot, but um, a vocal minority, including like Kyrie Irving 
and Bradley Beal come out and say that they were not getting the vaccine, that they it was a personal choice. They still might get vaccinated, but at the time of media day, they were uh, anti-vax. But you also had another contingent of NBA players, including LeBron James and Draymond Green, talk about how they, yes, they got the vaccine, but they would not get involved in telling their teammates to that they wouldn't didn't want to get involved in family or personal issues. Uh, LeBron specifically said, um, we're talking about individual bodies. We're not talking about something political or racism or police brutality, which is just not true. Like the vaccine, that's just not true. I was really disappointed because LeBron says that he was hesitant, but he did research and got the vaccine. It'd be very powerful if he shared that. Once again, shout out to the WNBA for not going this route. But then really throwing on the burn pile, Ted Cruz, who capitalized on this by uh, tweeting that he stands with Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins and Bradley Beal and Jonathan Isaac, the players not getting the vaccine. And he hashtagged it NBA and hashtagged it your body, your choice. And he says, I've never said this before, but I agree with LeBron James. He went on to quote tweet LeBron James's quote tweet of Draymond Green's speech about how he wouldn't force anyone or encourage anyone to get vaccinated. But anyways, Ted Cruz, what are you doing? You do nothing but tell these NBA players and the black community in general to shut up and dribble. And here you are standing by them and using them for clout. No. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to burn the hashtag your body, your choice when used to be talking about vaccines. The comparison between abortions and vaccines it's just so fucking gross. It's, it's difference between public health and personal health, and we're all part of our communities. So it's kind of a multi-layered burn pile, but burn. 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 Shireen, what are you burning? Um, this one is terrible, as usual, because, you know, our burn piles are always so joyful. Uh, trigger warning for racist abuse and white supremacy here. In the Ukrainian Hockey League... We have players from all over the world, and I want to specifically torch uh, player Andre Deniskin, whose horrifically egregious racist gesture offended and was directed at Jalen Samaric of the HC Donbass. And the Ukrainian team that Deniskin plays on is HC Kremenchuk. Uh, Deniskin's a forward, and he was denied an opportunity to score, and for which he targeted Smeric. And what he specifically did was pretend that he was peeling a banana and then took a bite out of it. Like it's, and the worst part is when he does this, you know exactly what the fuck is happening in that moment and the entitlement and like horrible way in which this was done. So Jalen Smeric has actually decided to step away from the league as a result of this and the, you know, immediately the statements came down from the IIHF that we stand with Jalen Smerrick and the UHL said we stand with Jalen Smerrick. The penalty that Deniskin will actually face is he'll be suspended for three games plus a possible additional 10. So three game suspension, but he can get out of the additional 10 if he pays a fine of $1,870. In the meantime, Jalen Smerick has stepped away from his livelihood and stepped away from what he loves because of this. And he literally said, I will not play another game in the UHL until Andre Deniskin is suspended or removed from the league. And I think this is really important to know that the burden of this is going to fall on the black player and it's unacceptable. Um, I hate this and I hate the comments coming out of the World Hockey Federation and coming out of the UHL. Even the NHL is like, we stand with them. What the motherfucking else are you going to do? You're going to post some intern is going to post something on your social media. Where's the anti-racism education? Where is that? We can't just be non-racist. Rather, we need to be anti-racist and intentionally anti-racist. I want to take all of this and it's, it's, it's bullshit. I'm going to take all of it and I want to throw it on the burn pile. Burn. 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 All right, Bren, what are you burning? This is so bad, it's almost hilarious. Uh, so kind of quietly this week, the Brazilian uh, Federation, the Soccer Federation president, the most powerful federation in the world besides um, some maybe Germany or England, Rogério Caboclo, 
was suspended for one year by the Brazilian Regional Labor Tribunal for sexual harassment of a woman who had been employed by the Football Federation since 2012. So it had been ongoing, persistent. Um, and of course, it's not just her. Of course, there will be many more. But this particular case was egregious enough that the... the <laughs> Okay, sorry, you're going to... He called the woman the name for a female dog, which is the same as it is in English, the B word, but it's the P in Portuguese. And so he was suspended for one year. Then he can come back and be the Football Federation president. This is only happening because the government stepped in, not because FIFA or Comebol did anything to the man, despite many reports. He has to contribute some money to a women's organization, but he also has to contribute to a dog charity. Are you serious? I am so fucking serious right now. So is it an insult to dogs? That he, <laughs> what is the message? What, what is the message? Are, is, is, are dogs out there feeling offended that they were called, they were mixed up with women? I, I really, I can't for the life of me figure it out. I haven't parsed it out. I don't think I need to. I think I could just burn it. So burn. Burn. All right, Jessica, bring us home. Okay, so a note that I'm going to be talking about sexual violence in my burn because some things are always the same. On Thursday last week, Sports Illustrated's Priya Desai and Jenny Ventress wrote a piece about two decades of reports of sexual harassment and assault against players on the University of San Francisco men's soccer team and the fact that the school did little to address these problems. That time period covers the tenure of three coaches, two school presidents, and four athletic directors. The one, Scott Sidwell, was there for the majority of the time. Sidwell, spoiler alert, is now a deputy athletic director at Penn State. I honestly struggled to narrow down what even to say in this burn pile because the piece is so long and there's so much in there worthy of being mentioned here. So just know that what I'm going to talk about is the tip of the iceberg of what Priya and Jenny reported. A social media post this past summer led to, quote, dozens of past and present USF students posting accounts spanning nearly 20 years of sexual harassment or abuse by members of the men's soccer team. Dozens, y'all. The soccer program at San Francisco is good. It has won five NCAA titles and over the last 25 years sent 14 players to the MLS. That shouldn't necessarily matter, but we all know that it does when we're talking about this stuff. After that social media outpouring last summer, the school hired a law firm, Holst and Handler, to investigate. They found that, quote, 11 soccer players accused of engaging in sexual misconduct over the past decade, but also ultimately concluded that the player's sexual misconduct and disrespectful behavior toward women and queer individuals, quote, was not pervasive among members of the USF men's soccer team and that the university acted, quote, diligently in response to reported allegations. Plenty of people harmed by players felt this was, to say the least, a shit conclusion. As I spoke to multiple women who had reported issues with the team across the years, including one who reported way back in 2003 that players were filming women without consent in intimate settings with their teammates. In 2012, a student reporter was going to cover the issue but was shut down by the school. But the school did its own investigation at that time, during which a former men's soccer player said that a teammate once referred to group sex as team bonding. Finally, Priya and Jenny looked at the specific case of Manny Padilla. Padilla played a bit in the MLS and was most recently with the New Mexico United in the USL. He was dismissed from that team last summer after USF confirmed that in 2015, the school found Padilla was in violation of their sexual misconduct policy because he'd sexually assaulted another student, touching her without her consent. He remained at the school and on the team. He was placed on university probation until May 2017 and given a deferred suspension until May 2016, meaning it would go into effect only if he committed another offense. He did, though, violate his no-contact order by asking a teammate to try to convince the woman to drop her complaint. She dropped out of school because of everything that happened with this case. Sidwell, the AD who is now at Penn State, never told the men's soccer coach about the finding of responsibility against Padilla and the school continued to use him and their media around the team, featuring him, promoting him. This piece was really hard to read. I want to thank Priya and Jenny for this reporting. And I just want to throw all of this 
into a flaming bonfire of a burn pile. Burn. 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 After all that burning, it's time to light up and lift up some torchbearers of the week. Shireen, who are our on-the-call torchbearers of the week? Jessica Mendoza and Melanie Newman are the first all-women duo to call an MLB game. Awesome. I will go next to uh, shout out our testifier of the week, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, opens up about what he has gone through in the last year of losing family members, particularly his mother to COVID, and then battling COVID himself. It is on a uh, SI cover, um, a beautiful story by uh, Michael Pena. Please go check it out. In it, he also talks about um, how he's managing to find his way back to himself after uh, ripples and ripples and waves of grief over the last year. Next, Brenda, who do we have as our champion of the week? Alicia Ocasio dominated the 2021 Athletes Unlimited softball season to become the second champion in the league. Jessica, who is our world record breaker of the week? At the 2021 World Raw Powerlifting Federation meet in Kansas City, Tamara Walcott scored a new raw world record deadlift of 288.5 kilograms. That is 636 pounds that she lifted off of the ground. That's incredible. Amazing. Brenda, who's our attorney of the week? (laughs) Attorney Jennifer Abruzzo in the Biden administration, who declared that the NCAA athletes can unionize and advising them against it is a violation of NLRA And that basically is amazing after four years of presidential administrations pretending that that legislation doesn't exist. So yay. And multiple decades of the insistence that student athletes love amateur. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Our MVP of the week is no surprise here. Forward John Cole Jones from the Connecticut Sun getting 48 out of 49 first place votes for the league MVP this year. She led her team to a league best 26 and six. She averaged 19.4 points, 11.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.3 block shots and 1.3 shields. That is the making of an MVP. My friends. All right. Can I get a drum roll, please? Shireen, who are our torchbearers of the week? I want a special shout out to the NWSLPA backing up Sinead Mana and Kia and all those have been impacted by the abuse and coercion and torture and maltreatment by coach Paul Riley and other coaches in women's soccer. Thank you to Meg Linehan and Katie Strang, friends of the show, for this incredible reporting at The Athletic, which dropped last week. And a very specific thank you to the NWSLPA for what they said was, quote, the NWSL has failed us. We are taking our power back. And we all stand behind you as you do. All right, friends, what is good in your world? I really want to know. It's so great to have all of us together again to share this. Brenda, I will start with you. Okay, so I got tickets for the live show of Letter Kenny in February. I'm really excited about that. Um, oh, yeah. And in Central Park last weekend, I saw Billie Eilish um, on accident. It was it was, it was like a... Um, I don't know, UN environmental thing? Was she performing or did you yeah. like walk past her? Okay. <laughs> no, no, she was performing. And she I don't know how like nature-y, hikey she is. I don't know if she's in I the know, parks. But I just, but I didn't she, know. She played in one. She has a new sneaker collaboration with Nike that Kia Nurse was wearing. Well, so. she definitely wore sneakers and bounced around and I couldn't believe she was 19 and she did her, you know, a lot of kind of feminist ecological talk and it was nice to see the youth out there. Um, Coldplay played as well. At the very end, surprise, Paul Simon came out um, to do a couple of songs, including The Boxer and The Sound of Silence. And yeah, right? And like half of the people there were so young, they were like, what? Santa's up, you know? And um, But I was like, oh, no, damn. Like that's so sort of monumental, right? Um, Him in Central Park 
And I always think of my parents having that record album of Simon and Garfunkel alive in Central Park. So I videoed it for them and sent it. So it was fun. So nice. That's amazing. What's good for you, Linz? My what's good is simple. It's that I'm in Houston right now on a reporting trip. And, you know, I've tweeted it. So I guess I can talk about it. I'm working on a podcast series, Deep Dive Podcast on the Houston Comets. I am so excited. And so in Houston with my team doing um, in-person masked reporting, and I love it so much. And I'm going to get to see Jessica and Amira later this week. So extra excited about that as well. That's amazing. Shireen, what's good in your world? Well, if you asked me last week, I would have said the Blue Jays because they were winning. And now they've entered this thing with the uh, the Yankees. Um, and I'm stressed and I don't love that because I told Jessica this morning, I'm a hockey soccer player. Why am I stressed in September? This is not normal. It's not good for me. I don't need this. I deserve better anyways, hanging on to hope for them. Uh, I love teaching. I absolutely love my students. We had a mock media availability with the Rams basketball team and they were professional and I love them. And I was like such a proud instructor watching them all have the presser etiquette and you know it was just wonderful awesome i am thrilled about the cbs champs league coverage desk um micah richards kate jamie Car- like they are funny and when i tell you like i am like laughing that i am like logging on for champs league coverage like an hour before game start to laugh because it is like watching a real life Roy Kent comment on it's the funniest thing to me. So that has brought me much unexpected joy. Uh, I'm also really happy about this like little cold front we had come through. So it has felt like fall here in Austin, Texas. I've got to wear my hoodies. You're such a southerner now. They're like the cold front <laughs> means that it's like in the 60s and upper 80s. like I'm in a sweater I'm like oh it's so chilly we're we're all wrapped up like it's so cold here um and also I have to say I've already gotten my boys Halloween costumes they were they were decisive this year they were really easy and cheap and in stock the little one's gonna be Miles Morales which (gasps) is something that Jackson already did but when Jackson was Miles Morales he wore like it was like the jacked up suit where before it was souped up so he had the hoodie and the shorts over like the black tights and then like some high tops and Zachary has like if Miles's suit actually gets hooked up and so it's like where it has padded muscles so so Jackson's kind of mad about it and then Jackson's going as in his words the black Shang-Chi um so he is very excited he wants to find 10 rings to throw at people by people he means his brother and sister not just like random (laughs) trick-or-treaters Um, but he, but he has his staff instead. So they are both, you know, going as Marvel characters, which is completely on brand, I feel like. So that is really happy because it's kicking off what is a very busy spooky season around these parts. Um, Jessica, what's good for you? Last weekend, I went away to Comfort, Texas, which is west of here in the hill country with three of my friends from my romance novel book club. And we went to Camp Comfort, which is like little cabins and we spent a bunch of time. One of my friends, Chasty, is really good at starting and maintaining fires, which was like a new thing I learned about her after 15 years of friendship. Uh, so we sat around the campfire and she like played her guitar and we all sang together and we ate a bunch of junk food and talked a lot and played a, a new game to me called Farkle. And I won. So that was great. Um, as Aaron would say, never play games with me. And then Amir and I are going to Houston later this week for a project that we will hopefully soon tell you all about that we're very excited about. But the really exciting thing is that Lindsay is also in Houston for work. So we will get to see Linz in person on Thursday. And we are really excited about that. So I'm looking forward to it. Selfies. For sure. Selfies, please. We're watching a bunch of stuff because we already told you this is a hectic time of the sporting calendar. So if you are like Shireen and into the baseballs, uh, you have tonight on Tuesday when this comes out, um, the wild card game in the American League versus the Red Sox and the Yankees. They're at Fenway. That is tonight, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. On Wednesday, you'll see the Cardinals and the Dodgers face off in the National League wild card game. 
Um, and then starting Friday and all through the weekend, you'll have the opening games of the division series. Turning to basketball, both WNBA semifinals have gone to game four. The Sun face off versus the Sky at 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, October 6th. Later that night, 10 p.m. Eastern, the Aces take on the Mercury. If there are game fives necessary, they will be on Friday, October 8th at night. And of course, on Sunday, October 10th, we will have the WNBA Finals Game 1 at 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Lastly, we're in the international break in global soccer, so there are lots of World Cup qualifiers across many leagues. Check your local listings for whatever team you're trying to track or follow. There should be some good games coming up. That's it for this episode of Burn It All Down. This episode was produced by Tressa Versteg, Shelby Weldon, of course, on our webs and socials. Burn It All Down is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Listen, rate, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. For show links, transcripts, you can check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You'll also find a link to our merch store um, over at Bonfire, our Patreon, of course especially for you Patreons out there, be on the lookout. There's a few watch parties coming up. We got some great events on the horizon. Um, and as always, it's a pleasure uh, to to feel your love and support and pre- keep bringing you guys these episodes. It was so good to have all of us all back together for this wild fall festival roundup. So from me, Brenda, Lindsay, Shireen, and Jessica, burn on, not out, and we'll see you next week, flamethrowers. Yeah.